Good to see you here today. I would like to take a moment as I begin to pray for uh, the launch team at Ridgeview and some folks from the different churches who have uh, that we've started out of uh, Church in the Valley, uh, who are over there helping them with their uh, first preview service. Their plans are to have four preview services and then I uh, have a grand opening, I think it's the second week of February. It's hard enough for me to stay on track with my own calendar. Not quite sure what theirs is, but um, it's, it's an exciting day. We've, we've launched uh, Church of the Valley in 87, and over the years there have been uh, five different churches started out of ours, and that allows us really to reach out and include more people in the life of church communities and Many, many people have found Jesus Christ as we've done that, and it's it's exciting to see how God uses all that. So as we pray, I'd like to commend this congregation just for your free heart to share our resources and to send folks out. We launched the launch team out on August 12th, and so they've been working hard for a couple months trying to connect with people and trying to help people uh, find out about the church. And so uh, I was with Alex Barrett, the pastor that we sent out uh, last night, and he's slightly on edge, as you can imagine. But I told him, you know, you're about to find out where you start from. <laughs> I think in the long haul, God is going to bless you, and we're going to figure out figure out where you go next. So let's pray for them. Father, we thank you, God, for the privilege of being involved in what you're doing in the world and for the way that you work through us, those of us who allow you to, who, who give ourselves to serving you, Father. You, you work in us and you work through us as you, as you work in us, God. We are so grateful for the way you do, and I pray your blessing over Alex and Sam uh, and the launch team. Father, I, I just pray that you would, you would draw people to uh, the service today, people who aren't involved in church, people who want to know more about you, God. I pray your blessing over their work, and I pray that you draw people to, to yourself through their efforts and that all the logistics that are going on right now, I pray uh, that you'd really help help things to come together for the service. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We have been looking at family life, which is more or less ideal. It falls along a spectrum. We've been talking about that. Um, particularly, we, we want to know how, how, to, how to do our part to make family life go better than it has been. And Today, we're going to look at where do you find the power to do what you need to do? Um, that's a big question. We, we all need power to do life. We turn to some source generally to get it. Uh, some people look to science and formulas to gain more energy, there are all kinds of energy bars, energy drinks, all kinds of stuff that we can go to there. Uh, 
Others look to more spiritual sources. Um, but we all need power. We need power so much that there are super superhero stories that, you know, we see in the movies and there are stories about the superheroes uh, that have a lot of power. Um, I'd like to watch a montage of the heroes and villains that we see in movies and the power that they, they have. The Force is what gives the Jedi his power, surrounds us, it binds the galaxy together. Even though you've been raised as a human being, you are not one of them. You have great powers. Does that fire you up or what? You know, you just you just want to you just want to do something after that. Um, anyway, I, I think the best movies reflect something about life uh, that we resonate with, and I think one of the reasons superhero movies resonate is because we need power to do life, and it would just be cool to have a superpower. I mean, that that would be awesome. Um, we need power for every part of life, to work when we don't want to work, to build friendships, to do ministry, to serve others, but especially to do family life, because it can be such a major source of joy and encouragement or sadness and discouragement. So we really need power when it comes to doing the right thing in family life, and in a, in a few moments, we're going to look at where to find an eternal, limitless source of power to live your life and how to tap into that, how, how we can do that. We've been answering the question in this series, how can I help my family be all it can be? In other words, for my seat in the family van, what can I do to help my family be more ideal than it is right now? No, no family is perfect. Uh, we all fall along a spectrum of more or less ideal. And the good news is, with God's help, you and I aren't locked down to the past. We aren't locked to it. We aren't tied to it. We can find freedom from the past. He, he wants to help us move beyond our past to be more ideal. This side of heaven, we aren't going to be completely ideal. But we can be more ideal, and we can find the joy in that. Here's a quick review. I'd like to take a quick review of where we've been in the series. I'm going to try to fly through it just so we get a grasp of what we've been talking about. We've been looking at basically two things. We've been looking at counterproductive strategies that we tend to employ to get what we want in family life. And we've been looking at the habits that God wants us to build into 
our lives in order to help the family be more ideal. So that's, that's what we've been looking at. Here's a review of the series we've just walked through. This is the wrap-up day. We started with a look at what's ideal for the family from God's perspective. God wants families to team together, we found. Genesis 1, he wants, we found out that he wants families to team together to get dominion. And I had a class in graduate school where my professor looked a lot like Jimmy Stewart. And he used to say, get dominion. Every, every time we would talk about this, get dominion. And he said it like Jimmy Stewart. I'm not good at that. But anyway, the word dominion basically means, practically, what it means is to take the resources we have and make them useful. That, that's what it means. So families team up to get dominion. Here's some land we looked at in the city of Ontario that they're planning to make into a beautiful, useful park. It looks like it had some other uses. Here's a sketch of what this land will become. Uh, as we team together to make good use of our resources, we're getting dominion. And God wants us in the family to encourage growth in character, godly character. Week two, we looked at the best relationships. Filibuster is a fun word used for a person in Congress who blocks the proceeding when, when something is about to happen they don't want. You, you may have experienced a filibuster in family life. Uh, something needs to be done. Something's about to happen. Uh, there's somewhere to go, and someone pulls a filibuster because they don't want to do it. This is a major challenge to the ideal. To have the, the best relationships, we have to have a way of dealing with family filibusters and the friction they generate. The root we found this week, week two, of a family filibuster is what the Scripture says is, is stubborn self-centeredness, stubborn selfishness. And God can help us overcome this root. In fact, that's where he goes. He goes right to the core of our being to help us if we ask him to. And God leads us to repentance in a particular way, through kindness. He, there's a passage we looked at this week in, in Hosea that says, God leads his children to repentance with cords of kindness. And we looked at, I, I think I drug, I remember, I know I did, I drug out a little red wagon and pulled it with a cord. You can't push with a cord. This is how God is. God will not push you. He, he pulls you along with his kindness. And he wants that to lead you to change your mind about the path you're on. He wants that to lead you to repentance. So that's the way God works. And what we need, we found, is we need to keep remembering. We need a habit to be in the habit of remembering God's kindness to us so that we can relay his kindness to others around us. So that was week two. Week three, conflict happens. And boy, it does, doesn't it? Hopefully you got away unscathed this morning. Probably not. Percentages are that you had a little conflict on your way to, to this, this gathering this morning. 
ongoing, unresolved conflict makes for a depressing family environment. Uh, if a storm is always brewing, it's unsettling. We had some thunderstorms. That was exciting, wasn't it, recently? A little, little thunderstorm, a little weather. And, you know, here in Southern California, that's unique. Um, but I've been in some thunderstorms. They, they cut to the core. The thunder just goes right through you, and it's a little unsettling. This is what happens in family life if there's unresolved conflict that just keeps going on and on. When a family lives like this, it just saps the joy out of, out of life. We have to pursue peace. The habit we want to build in, that God wants us to build in, is pursuing peace and reconciling. He, he paid a, a, the ultimate price to reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he wants those who follow him to do the same, to get in the habit of reconciling. On a, uh, when it needs to happen, when, when we mess up, he, he wants us to, to reconcile with those around us. Week four, we looked at killer expectations. Expectations easily turn into demands that damage relationships. Handling expectations the right way is a major challenge. Uh, we want things to be perfect, and when they're not, we're disappointed. Uh, here's a picture of a proposal, engagement, marriage, family, create situations where some expectations go unmet, both legitimate and unrealistic. And unmet expectations rile us up. And so we really need to have a way to deal with the flood of emotions that show up when we don't get something we think we deserve. We need to get in the habit of evaluating our expectations and then taking those and trusting God with them. Just turn them over to God. Trust him. Let him decide when and how he's going to meet your needs. He, he's faithful. He, he will meet your needs. Week five, we looked at, that was last week, we looked at facing trouble together um, we focused on facing adversity in a way that minimizes the damage. The Bible has a very unique perspective on trouble that blesses us if we allow God's perspective to get into our own ways and it, allow it to shape our approach to handling trouble. We looked at popular quote, Matt Sprinkle looked at uh, this quote, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. Um, you know, that's not automatically true. Because some stuff that goes on doesn't necessarily make us stronger if we don't respond the right way. We, we have to choose to respond. So Matt walked us through and showed us how to cooperate with God in the middle of our trouble so that he can make us stronger through it. Bottom line is this, a strong, enjoyable family isn't a fairy tale that happens to you. It's something you build with intention, and God wants to help us do it. We need truth, and we need power to build a strong, enjoyable family. God, he's given us a blueprint in, in the Bible of family life, 
And knowing that helps us build with intention. Homes without a blueprint like that, without a true source, a truth source, um, they don't have a sense of true north. There's no compass guiding. Homes without truth, without an outside guiding authoritative blueprint are, are usually a mess. So we've been looking at what is it that we can do to cooperate with God so that we can build the family that is a blessing to everyone in it and ourselves as well. God wants to meet us where we are. He, he wants to help us move forward and help our family be all it can be. And he showed us where to find the power to handle the challenges the best way. He's also shown us how to respond when our reflexes are less than ideal. Mine tend to be. I can't trust my reflexes because they're not, they're not ideal. God gives power to Christ followers who ask for it. We're going to look at two passages. They were written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he started a whole bunch of churches in the Roman, throughout the Roman Empire in the first century. And we're going to look at these passages to learn what he says, what God inspired him to write about, where to get the power for doing what's right in family and in every circle we relate in, at work, among friends, in church, uh, where, wherever. So God uh, had Paul write these letters to help early Christians in churches he started to help them know more about Christ and how to walk with him. So this, this is why we get into these letters. Because God, God inspired them not like a great work of art is inspired, but they, he's the source of the words. That's what you find in scripture. So we're going to look at a letter he wrote to Christians in the city of Ephesus and in a region called Galatia. Here's a map of, uh, those areas. You can see, um, Galatia, you can see Asia, that's Asia Minor, and then there's Galatia right there. And Ephesus is on the coast over there. Let me make sure I'm pointing the right direction. So Ephesus is over here on the coast. Galatia is a region. Ephesus is a city. Um, It's on the coast of Asia Minor. Both of these are in modern-day Turkey. So this is modern-day Turkey that we're looking at. So this is what Paul prayed for the Christ followers in Ephesus, 3, 14 through 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, to whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Now, Paul is showing us, he's modeling for us, he's setting an example of what to do. When you need power, ask God for it. This is a prayer. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. That's that he's praying. If we pray, God may grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
This is what we need when we're facing the destructive, counterproductive strategies of stubborn selfishness, ongoing and unresolved conflict, the pride that doesn't, you know, keeps us from resolving the conflict and humbling ourselves. It helps us. This is, this is exactly what we need when we're trying to deal with unmet expectations. Often, when I'm dealing with these things, my reflexes aren't good. <laughs> I, I need strength and power to even want to do the right thing. That's just honest. I'm just being honest here. The word used for strengthen in this verse means it's, it's written in Greek originally, so I'm going to give you some definitions in the Greek, which sort of, there's a lot more to them typically. But the word strengthened means to become strong psychologically. This is exactly what we need, isn't it? It, 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 we learn from Paul's prayer here that we can turn to God. He can strengthen us. Our inner being in this passage is the hidden person that no one else sees. The intellectual, emotional, and spiritual aspects of us. The word for power literally means the potentiality to exert force in performing some some function. So any... any all that being said, the power to do something. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what this passage is saying. When I'm disappointed with myself, sometimes I get disappointed with myself. I'm like, oh, I said it again. Why would I do that? Why would I say that? Why would I have that attitude? Why? So I, I, get, I get disappointed with myself, and that just really bogs. I mean, that bogs me down. I, I, I lose power. When I'm frustrated with myself, or I get frustrated with family members at times. I need the power to even want to do what's right. What's right is not my knee-jerk reaction. I'm, I'm thinking it, it, it's the same for you. Paul shows us the way. When I'm fighting discouragement with me or my family, I can pray. And God is able to give me the strength I need to follow through and do what's right. He, he will do the same for you. Paul wraps up his prayer in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 with this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God can do much more than we think he can in the moment. But we've got to ask him. We've got to tap into that source of power. He is the limitless, eternal source of power. But remember, he will not push us. He will not force himself on us. He pulls us along with his kindness. We have to turn to him. That's how we tap into the power that's available to us. This is what we do. And notice the end of the prayer. That God would get the glory throughout all generations. God always has his eye on future generations. This is, this is how God is. This is how he thinks. You are a link 
to future generations. Your family life might not be the greatest right now. Maybe, maybe it's not. It may be that you're way below the ideal as you look at what's going on. In your opinion, you're way below as you evaluate. God wants to give you more power than you can imagine to help you do what you need to do, to do what's right before him in the context of your family circumstances. He wants to help because he has his eye on future generations. And as you bless them, you receive the blessing yourself. This is the way it works. Our families shape us in a powerful way. You may have habits and destructive patterns of relating that flow out of the family you came from. But that doesn't have to lock you down. God wants to help you if you will only turn to him and rely on him. And stop relying on yourself and your own strength. If you're a parent, any change you make goes on into the future. It it impacts the future generations for their good. So the first thing to do is to pray for strength and power to do the right that you need to do toward your family. Now, there's something else we need to understand about how we grow personally and how we stay connected to the pipeline of God's power uh, that I'm going to talk about now. Um, it's important to understand a spiritual dynamic that goes on. When you decide to follow Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. But that doesn't mean he's, he's God. And remember, God is not going to push us. He's not going to take over our own ability to choose. He gave us a will. And so he is not going to violate the will that he gave us to choose right or wrong. And so what's going on here as you set out to follow Christ is a battle. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a fight because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's there to help, but the flesh remains. And so when we try to do right, the Bible shows us there's a battle going on. Keeping in step with the Spirit provides the power to win the battle. Here's, here's what Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So there's a battle going on. It's a fight. This may explain how you felt as you've tried to follow Christ. And this is important to know. I, I you know, it, it, it's, it's important to realize that there is going to be opposition to walking with Jesus Christ. You, we should expect a battle. When we set out to do the good that God wants us to do in family life, at work, among friends, in ministry, I remember I was shocked because 
When I, when I landed here in this area to plant Church in the Valley, I thought, you know, I'm just going to be superpower all the time. I'm going to be motivated. I'm going to have the energy to do it. And most, most mornings I woke up and I felt like both of my legs weighed 300 pounds each. And it was just everything I could do to take one step after the other to do what God wanted me to do. There is real opposition when you set out to do what's right. That is important to know. And one of our enemies is our flesh. It's what the Bible calls our flesh. And in this passage, that's what it's referred to. When you set out to build up your family in the right way, when you set out to do what God wants you to do, there's opposition. And in this passage, the word flesh refers to the old nature that's left over after you decide to follow Christ. And this is real. If you've been following Christ, you know this. It's made up of the old desires and the strategies for getting your way to experience the fulfillment of your desires. When you become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, but until the day you die, the flesh also remains. It goes away when we step into heaven, but it's there. So it's a fight to do what's right. The flesh is powerful. Years of doing life without God's help creates reflexes for the worst. But God wants to help us win the battle over the flesh, and he shows us how in this passage. And it's not what you think. It's backwards from what we normally think. Most people who realize they need to change try to change through determined self-effort. And this makes sense to us. I think it makes sense to every human being on the face of the earth. Hey, I need to change. I'm just going to do it. So we go on a self-improvement plan. And we try to make it happen. I'm going to try to change. This is what I'm going to do. Makes perfect sense. Turns out this is incredibly counterproductive. And it turns into a power bog. Here's a picture of a bog. If if you try to walk through this area, I've tried to walk through some areas similar to this. And what happens is mud begins to cake on your shoes, and then you hit a hole, and then it's like there's this suction that's created, and it's hard to take the next step, get out of that hole. It's a power bog. This is exactly what happens if you rely on yourself to make the changes that God wants to make in you. This is the way it goes. In in the same way as a bog, if we try to overcome the challenges and win the battle as we aim to to do what's right and help others, we don't have the power to win on our own. We we don't. We we just flat don't. We grow spiritually through surrender, not self effort. When we surrender, God provides the power. We, we give ourselves to him. 
we entrust ourselves to him. We surrender to his way because we're constantly the flesh. What he's talking about there is we're constantly running into ourselves <laughs> as we try to do what's right. We got all these desires and we're getting pulled in different directions. There's a battle raging inside. And what we have to do is, there I go again, God. I confess that. That's wrong. Will you forgive me and surrender? I surrender to you. Would you lead me again? Would you lead me? This is, I do this several times a day. I mean, this is the way it goes. I'm like, oh, why'd I think that? Why'd I say that? Why'd I do that? Oh, this is the way it is. <clears throat> I'd like you to encourage you to read the, the verses 18 through 23 sometime. Uh, I'm not going to read them now, just for the sake of time. Um, but Paul explains how we grow in godly character in this passage. And he contrasts two things, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Works depend on your own effort. The fruit of the Spirit has to grow in you. And it's God who grows it in you. It's not your own effort. You know, if I plant seed, I can only do some things to help it grow. I can't make it grow. God makes it grow. And so God's planted the seed in us himself. And uh, works are something you do on your own power, but fruit doesn't grow through self-effort. God is the only one who makes the fruit grow. So spiritually, God's spirit in us is the one who brings growth. And he gives power to do good. We need to learn how to cooperate with him. That's why this section of scripture wraps up with Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. When we get out of step with the Spirit, there's a power bog. The pipeline's got a kink in it to the power that God gives us. It's very easy to slip into flesh mode. It, it, that's that's what I call it, flesh mode. Oh, I'm in flesh mode again. I got to get out of it. I got to stop it. So when we realize that we're in flesh mode and we're relying on ourselves and old selfish strategies to get our way, we need to stop. Confess it to God, which literally means in the Greek to say it with. It means to agree with God that what you did was wrong. <clears throat> and then God forgives you. There's promises in Scripture. It says when you confess your sin, God's faithful to forgive. And then, so you stop. You're in flesh mode. You stop. You confess it to God. And you confess it and make it right with the others that you've offended. And then you surrender again to the Holy Spirit's lead. This, this is a process that I go through daily. It's, it's like a daily thing for me. You, you don't grow spiritually by willing it to happen. It just, it just doesn't work that way. We need God to change us, and he will not work to change us unless we surrender to his leadership. Remember, he doesn't push us to do his will. He will not. 
He pulls us with cords of kindness and patience and forbearance. If we consistently walk through this process, we change over time. We aren't going to see or experience the change maybe over a couple of days' time. But when you look back over a year or ten years or months, you you see this God's working in you through this process. He is He is changing you and making you a different person. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to build up your family and the people in your other circles. Will you follow his lead? Will you keep in step with him? Will you tap into the power that he provides and walk with him through life? As I wrap up, I want to encourage you to take a next step today. Uh, they're on the backside of the connection card. They're also on your listening guide if you've been following along. I encourage you to take one of these next steps today. My next step today is to ask God for the strength and power to do good to others. Maybe you're in a power bog. Maybe you don't want to do what you know you need to do. But you want to ask God to give you the power to do it. And then a second step is stop working to change and surrender to God's spirit. Go through that process. Stop. Confess to God. Confess to others that you've offended and surrender to God's leadership in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth in your word, the Bible, that gives us guidance and perspective. It really is a compass for us. It explains so much about our lives and what's going on inside of us. I pray for strength and power now to move forward and take these steps. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Before the band leads us in singing, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to please take uh, some time to finish completing your connection card, any next steps that you'd like to take. And also, while you're doing that, I'd like to introduce the next series. Next week, we're starting a new message series that we've called Par for the Course, uh, The Path to Proper Privilege in Life. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, to walking through God's perspective on privilege. We all want privilege. Good people want to make progress toward good goals in life, and God wants to help us. But par for the course, it's the image is uh, golf, but par stands for three things, privilege, accountability, and responsibility. God always keeps these three things lined up as you uh, grow in proper privilege or legitimate privilege in life. This is what God's going to do. So in the Bible, the Lord shows us how to gain legitimate privilege and how to lose it. It's not a mystery. It's right there. Jesus taught about it, and so we're going to look at what he said. And uh, we're going to discover God's qualifiers for gaining proper privilege. And I hope you'll join us as we begin the new series. Andy and the band is going to now lead us in singing.